Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Well, um, you guys are here, right? You're here. You know, you're, uh, you're not at the lake out on the boat this morning. You're not at the country club. You're, you said, hey, I'm going to be in the house of God this morning. I'm, I want to be in the presence of God this morning. You got up early. You did your hair or makeup or whatever you did. And you, you got the kids. You wrangled the kids in their car seats. And you got to church. Right? So we're here. So now, like, like you've heard us say a number of times, let's, let's fully press in this morning for what, what the Lord has for us. For here, let's be fully present. And let's be fully engaged. And let's, let's make sure that we don't come in and leave completely unchanged because I believe that that's impossible to come into the house of God and come into the presence of God and leave unchanged as long as we're pressing in and we're focused on what the Lord has for us. So let's pray. And as we pray, would you invite the Lord to come do a work? Would you, would you ask the Lord to come give you just eyes to see and ears to hear. So let's pray. Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus, and we thank you. We get to gather together this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and, and reveal things. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and give us eyes that see and give us ears that hear and give us hearts that hear you, Father. Understanding hearts. Give us hearts to know you, Father. Holy Spirit, come breathe on your word this morning. Let it come alive in our hearts. And Father, let us leave this building transformed by your presence and by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everyone that believes says together, amen. 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 Well, we're in the uh, series on the book of Acts, as you've probably heard already. And to, this morning will be in Acts chapter 19. So if you want to go ahead and start turning there in your, in your Bibles this morning, if you're the kind of person that likes having titles to sermons, then here you go. Uh, the title of the sermon this morning is Receiving All God Has For You. Receiving All God Has For You. So I'm going to read the first six verses here in Acts chapter 19, and we'll, we'll talk about it. Acts chapter 19, verse 1, it says, While Apollos was in Corinth, um, time out right off the bat here. Apollos is a big name uh, from this point forward in the book of Acts and even in other writings of Paul. So just very briefly, I wanted to just uh, kind of sh shed some light on who uh, Paulos, Apollos is. So to see more about his life, you can just look back at the end of chapter 18 and it tells us, it tells us that he's a Jew. Uh, it tells us that he's a very eloquent speaker. It tells us that he knows the scriptures very well. He's been well-trained in the scriptures. It tells us that he, uh, he is very fervent. He has great zeal and passion in teaching and debating. And uh, so he's like, he's a really well-spoken, very persuasive uh, speaker. And, and it says that he, he knows the things of the Lord, but, but what he doesn't know, he's, he, he's not aware of what's happened at Pentecost and uh, it, says, it says in the end of 18 there that he, he only knew about the baptism of John. So many commentators would say that they, uh, they strongly believe that Apollos was a disciple of John the Baptist and that he has not a full knowledge of what's happened since Pentecost. And so Priscilla and Aquila, they, they hear him speaking, you know, in a synagogue or they see him somewhere in public speaking and 
They, they see that he has a great gifting, but they, they also are aware that he doesn't know all that he needs to know about the ways of God. So they, they kind of take him under their wing and they, they train him up and teach him more thoroughly. And he ends up becoming a partner uh, with Paul in the ministry and he and he's travels and speaks and shares the gospel. Okay, just thought I'd give you a little uh, heads up on who Apollos is. So let's go back to 19. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? He asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. All right, so this is a major passage in the book of Acts. This is a very important, I mean, they're all important, but this one is a very important portion of the book of Acts. And so we're going to just dig into this portion uh, together this morning. But first, let's answer this question. Who are these disciples that Paul meets? So your, your Bible might say disciples. It might say believers. Uh, so Paul comes across these men. He finds them. Now, it's important to note that uh, by disciples, it doesn't mean that they are disciples of Jesus. Uh, in that time, there would have been you know, plenty of different disciples of different rabbis and teachers. Uh, so that term disciple was not unique to Jesus in the life of Jesus. There would have been plenty of disciples, like I said, of different teachers. And because they know about the baptism of John... Many commentators uh, believe that these men, they're disciples of John the Baptist, similarly to Apollos. And so that means that they're, they're probably well-trained in the scriptures, right? They've had John uh, uh, discipling them. And so they, they probably know a lot about, you know, the baptism of John and, and repentance. They know a good, uh, a good amount about the Old Testament. But once again, like Apollos, they don't have a, a they're not aware of what's taken place at Pentecost. They're not aware of what's happened since Acts chapter 2. So they have a deficient knowledge of the Holy Spirit, as we can see here. They said, we don't know what you're talking about, right? And so Paul comes to these believers and he basically says to them, hey, you don't know all that you need to know about the things of God, right? He says, hey, you need to know about this. And, you know, I just want to take away a few things from the lives of these believers that I think can apply to us. And the first thing that sticks out to me when it comes to these disciples receiving what God had for them is, number one, we can sense they have this attitude of being teachable, being humble, and being open. We can just sense that, right? Because they could have been like, you know, when Paul approaches them, they could have been like, first of all, who in the world are you? And who, who asked you to come give us your two cents on stuff? And uh, I don't know if you've heard of this guy named John the Baptist, kind of the big deal. Yeah, he discipled us personally, okay? So we're, we know everything we need to know. We're, we're, we're really good disciples. We know all the things about God that we need to know. But that's not how they respond, is it, right? They don't, they don't like start to get all upset and how dare you? 
know that we can sense that they're very hungry, they're very teachable, and they're very open. They say, hey, we didn't know. We didn't know that there was a Holy Spirit, and they're desirous of it. They have this attitude of, hey, whatever we need to do, we'll, we'll do it. We, we, we just want what God has for us. So I would ask you that. Do, do you have that kind of attitude? Do you, do you, are you teachable? Are you humble? Are you open? Do you have this attitude that, hey, I don't have it all figured out. I don't know it all. I don't have all the answers. I have a lot to learn. I have a lot of growing to do. Do you, do you have that characteristic in your life? You know, if, if someone comes to you, if a leader comes to you, if your connect group leader or a, a pastor or your, your team leader, someone in your life that's a leader, if they come to you and say, hey, you don't know all that you need to know about this. Or, hey, I think that you're handling this situation in your marriage wrong. Or, hey, I, I think that the way you're parenting, there needs to be some, some, some tweaks and adjustments. Hey, I think, this, I think you should tithe, whatever it is. How do you respond? Are you teachable? Are you humble? Are you open to that? Or do you start to backpedal and say, hey, 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 I know all I need to know about this. Uh, who asked you? Why are you giving me your opinion? If you want to receive all that God has for you, step number one is be teachable, be open. Amen? Yeah. So we see in the life of these disciples that they're, they're hungry and they're teachable. And it leads to them in chapter six receiving what the Lord wants to give them. So we see that they're, they're teachable. Another thing to me that sticks out is their, their quick obedience. So he come, Paul comes to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? They say, we don't know what you're talking about. And then uh, he says, what baptism do you have? And they said, we have John's baptism. And so Paul explains to them that you know, John's baptism was for repentance of sin, but John is foreshadowed uh, to the, the coming of Jesus. And so basically in, in verse five, they're baptized again. But check this out. At the beginning of verse five, it says, as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of of the Lord Jesus. So another attribute we see in these disciples that sets them up and they're receiving the, what the Lord wants to give them, they're quick to obey. It says immediately, it says that the moment they heard about this, they immediately were baptized. Right? They didn't say, hey, hey, Paul, like, I'm sure you're like aware, but man, it's just, it's coming into fall season and man, school is kicking up again and like fall sports are starting. And then of course, Paul, you know, there's the holidays. And so, um, let me get back to you in like February or maybe March. That might work out for me best, better than, you know, today. Cause I've got a lot going on. No, they're immediately obedient to what Paul says. They're quick to obey, right? They're not like coming up with 18 reasons why they shouldn't do it right now. Because once again, they have, they're so desirous. They have this attitude about them that whatever it takes, I'm doing it. Whatever I have to do, I'll do it. I'll be quick about it too. Maybe you've heard that, that saying that delayed obedience is disobedience. You've heard that before, anybody? It's true. Delayed obedience is not obedience. Obedience is what God wants you to do, how God wants you to do it, and when God wants you to do it. So they're quick to obey. So, so once again, like for us, are we quick to obey? 
in your life? Are you quick to obey? When, when you hear us, just like a moment ago, you heard us talking about baptism and how important it is in your walk with the Lord. If you're saved, that should be the very next thing you do is get baptized. Um, are you quick in that? Are you quick to obey? Or are you like, yeah, you know, hey, uh, I've got like some stuff going on next month and, and maybe like in a few months, like, are you quick to obey? If someone, if a pastor or a leader comes to you and says, hey, you know, you should really take your next step in growth track and start serving in the church. And are, are you quick to obey? Do you like make a hundred excuses? Why, why not? If someone, if a leader comes and says, you need to start tithing, the Bible says that the tithe belongs to the Lord. Once again, are you quick to obey? Because quick obedience opens the door to receive what? All that God has for you. Quick obedience opens the door for blessing. It opens the door to, to, to receive all that the Lord wants to give you. So these disciples, right? They're teachable, they're hungry, and they're quick to obey. And so all of this leads to, in verse six, it says, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues. You know, I think that those disciples could have done a number of things to shut that down and that never happened. Right? When, when Paul first came to them and said, did you receive the Holy Spirit? They could have been like, nope, not interested. And that would have not happened, right? Like we would not have this, this, this passage in the Bible. Or if they would have um, just like not been quick in obeying, they would have like kind of tiptoed around it with Paul. So there's things that they did to set themselves up they're teachable, they're hungry, and they're obedient, and they receive what the Lord wants to give them. Like we read there that Paul puts his hands on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk, take the rest of our time this morning and talk about that last verse there. What we just read about in that last verse is called the infilling or the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I want to, like I said, spend the rest of our time this morning talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So if, if you're here, uh, for some of you, you know, these next few moments might be review. Maybe you've heard some of this before, but there might be people in this room this morning that you would be responding like these believers that Paul finds respond, saying, I, I didn't know that there was a Holy Spirit. All right, so there might be people on, all, you know, on both sides of the spectrum and anywhere in between, uh, whether you've heard it before or you haven't, but Whatever it is, let's just, uh, like we've already said, let's just press in this morning and receive what the Lord wants to give us. Because even if you, you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Bible instructs us to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. It, it's, it's, a, it's one baptism with many fillings. So there should be um, a, a desire to stay filled with the Holy Spirit. So I want to kind of just give us a little background on what this baptism in the Holy Spirit is and just teach on it and kind of lay some foundation. So to do that, I want to look to the Gospel of Luke. In the very beginning of Luke, in verse 3, John the Baptist actually foreshadows and tells about this coming of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So you can go to Luke chapter 3, and we'll start in verse 15. Luke 3, verse 15. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. Verse 16. John answers their question by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon that is greater than I, so much greater 
that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. So John is foreshadowing. He's telling us what's to come. He's saying, hey, yeah, I'm baptizing people in water for repentance, but there's someone much greater than me coming, and he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. So this is John telling us it's coming. And then if you go to the end of the Gospel of Luke, in, in chapter 24, in verse 49, so these are, these are the last words that Jesus says before he ascends into heaven. His final words, right? He's, he's, his disciples have been around him for three years, and he gives them this final instruction in Luke 24, 49. It says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. So Jesus is saying, hey, I know disciples, you've been around me for years. You've heard, uh, you've heard me talk about what your mission is, the great commission to go into all the world and preach the good news. You, you, you know a lot of things, but before you try to do anything, he's saying you need this infilling of power. You need this baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, don't try it without it. Wait until you receive this. Don't go running off and start, and start this thing. First, the first thing you need, you need the baptism with the Holy Spirit and how Jesus describes it as being clothed with power. So Jesus says, hey, this is essential. Don't try it without it. You absolutely need this thing first before you try to, to accomplish anything that I've set you to accomplish. So Jesus, Jesus makes it very clear this is a massive priority, and it's the last thing he says before he ascends into heaven. And, and, uh, and in Acts 1, 8, there's another uh, reference where Jesus says basically the same thing, where he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. That's Acts 1, 8. So we, we see that Jesus is promising this. He's telling his disciples, wait for this. Don't try anything without it because you need power to do what you're called to do. So I want to now teach on the, the two works of the Holy Spirit. So as you read through the scriptures, there are two things that the Holy Spirit does in your life. There's two works of the Holy Spirit. The first one is called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and it takes place initially at salvation. So if you're a born-again believer, that means you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's where you see in like 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right? He comes and he lives inside of us. So that's the first work of the Holy Spirit that takes place at salvation. The second work of the Holy Spirit is what we've been talking about, which is the baptism or the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And this work takes place after initial salvation. And we can see that even from our main text this morning in, in Acts chapter 19, Paul comes to believers, right? He doesn't come to unsaved people. He comes to saved believers and he asks them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So if it was just one, if there was just one work of the Holy Spirit, you get it all at salvation, then the apostle Paul is asking a very stupid question right here, isn't he? Right? If it's just one work of the Holy Spirit, then he, he's kind of 
uh, asking a very dumb question. But we can tell, okay, Paul's saying, okay, there are two works, two distinct works of the Holy Spirit. So there, there are two distinct works and they have two distinct purposes in the believer's life. This is, this is important for us to know uh, as, as believers. We, we should know these things. So there, there are two distinct works with two distinct purposes. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is for us as believers. It's for me. It's for you. It's when the Holy Spirit comes and he's your helper, like we just mentioned earlier ago. The Holy Spirit comes and he gives you, he leads you in truth, right? He, he's, he gives you that inner witness of the Holy Spirit and wisdom and guidance. He leads you, right? That's, that's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's for us as believers. But the infilling or the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the purpose of it is to empower you to be a witness, to empower you to advance the kingdom of God and to do the things that God has called us to do in the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for me, it's for somebody else. Yeah. So the best way I've heard it described, and if you're taking notes, maybe it's a good little thing to write down just to keep it um, easy to, re to remember in your mind, but the Holy Spirit is in me for my sake he comes upon me for your sake. So the indwellings for me is for my sake. It's for me to live the life I'm called to live, to assist me in living holy and to assist me in, 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 in you know, leading me and guiding me in truth. But the Holy Spirit comes upon me and baptizes me for the sake of somebody else, for the sake of advancing the kingdom and for being a witness. So those are the two distinct works of the Holy Spirit. And when it comes to the baptism or the infilling of the Holy Spirit, we see in the book of Acts that when you see that baptism of the Holy Spirit, it coincides with tongues. That's always the, the first thing you see. That's the initial thing you see through the book of Acts. So when the believers first received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two, it says that they all spoke in tongues and then in Acts chapter 10, there's a major passage there talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if you want to turn there, you can. In Acts 10, in verse 40, 44, so Peter is preaching to Gentiles. And we'll pick it up here. Acts chapter 10, 44. It says, even as Peter was saying these things, so he's preaching the word, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. So Peter and these Jewish believers that have come with him, the way that they can distinguish if someone has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit clearly in that passage is they heard them speaking in tongues. That's, that was the way that they could distinguish, hey, even the Gentiles, the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon, right? And then in Acts chapter 19, that's our main text this morning, we see it again that Paul lays his hands on these believers and it says that they receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes upon them and that they speak in tongues. So tongues is the initial sign or the initial evidence of receiving that infilling or that baptism in the Holy Spirit. But here's one thing I want to make clear though, that although it's the first, it's the first sign, it's the first evidence, it's not the purpose 
of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is important to know because the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, Jesus defined for us in Acts 1.8. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. So the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, like I've said, is to receive empowerment to do the will of God. Uh, I used to be uh, the youth pastor here before Pastor Josiah was, and I remember uh, having to teach this to the teenagers a lot because we'd go to camps or convention, they'd get filled with the Holy Spirit, and you know it was these great encounters, but I had to remind them, hey, th- this is, you know, receiving your prayer language is massive. That's a big deal. But the main reason you're being baptized in the Holy Spirit is so you can go home and reach your friends for Jesus. And so you can go home and reach your school for Jesus. And you can reach your lost family members for Jesus. Empowerment is why Jesus gives us the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? He doesn't give us the baptism of the Holy Spirit just so we can have tongues. He gives us the baptism of the Holy Spirit to receive power to do all that God has called us to do. When you read through the book of Acts, it's 28 chapters of empowerment. It's 28 chapters of signs and wonders and miracles and supernatural church growth. It's not just 28 chapters of people speaking in tongues for chapter on end, right? There's empowerment that comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the initial sign is is tongues. But that's step one. See, I think a lot of believers or even churches think that tongues is like the end-all be-all to being a spirit-filled Christian. But in actuality, it's step one of being a spirit-filled Christian. And if you stop there, you're missing out on what really the Lord wants to give you, which is empowerment. I heard a really good example about this, about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And the example was that, that tongues, speaking in tongues is like the receipt for having empowerment, for receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not the end all be all, but it's, it's the proof, it's the receipt that you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? So if like if Pastor David got a brand new guitar and I'm like, yo, I wanna see this guitar you got, can I come to your house and check it out? And I show up and all he does is throw a receipt on the table and say, here you go. Like, no, like I wanna see the guitar. Like, that's great that you have the receipt, wonderful. You I mean, you, you do need the receipt, that's important. Absolutely, but I really was looking to see the guitar. Uh, so I wonder if there are people um, that aren't saved and what they really need is empowerment and are we just giving them tongues? Yeah. Is our spirit baptism just, oh, I can speak in tongues. Okay, that's great. But you, to, to benefit somebody else, right? So for it to really change someone else's life, I, I want the fullness, which is empowerment and, and, and power to do what God's called us to do. So church, we need to make sure we, di- we distinguish and separate Pentecostal culture and Pentecostal power. We can get caught up in Pentecostal culture, right? You could talk to someone and say, man, at our church, man, we just, we pray in tongues. Everyone prays in tongues and we, we come to the altars and just roll around the whole service. Hey, that's awesome. That's wonderful. But if no one's gotten saved in the last six months and your church is the same size it was in 1998, you have a very deficient infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I would say you don't have empowerment. So none of this, I'm not trying to say this to belittle or downplay tongues because you could preach an entire sermon on the value and the great, the great reward it is to have tongues, right? Paul says, he that prays in tongues edifies himself, right? Paul says in Romans, if you don't know how to pray, you can pray in the Holy Spirit and you're praying the perfect 
will of God. So if you are a spirit-filled Christian, you should be praying in tongues on a regular basis. It's a wonderful benefit, but that's not the end-all be-all of a spirit-filled Christian, amen? There should be empowerment and, and signs and wonders that follow your life. You know, if I asked you, you're spirit-filled, and you'd say, yes, I speak in tongues, my next question is, are you empowered in our people getting healed that you pray for, and our people getting saved that you, you meet at work and in your, at your school? You will know them by their fruit, says Jesus, right? You will know them by their fruit, and the fruit of a spirit-filled Christian is empowerment to advance the kingdom and to do the works of Jesus. Amen. 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 You know, this is... This is, this is very important in our, our Christian walk. Like I said, for Jesus, Jesus is saying, hey, you need this baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need this empowerment. More than, before you try anything or jump out and try anything on your own, you need this. And even Paul, right? The passage we just read in Acts chapter 19, what's the very first thing Paul says to those believers when he comes to them? Right? He doesn't ask them how the weather's been. He doesn't ask them uh, hey, are you guys like pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib? No, he doesn't, he doesn't ask. About, the first thing that Paul's interested in, do you have the infilling of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. That's the number one priority to Paul. This is not a side, like fringe issue that, hey, maybe like a year down the road, maybe in like a back room in the church somewhere, we can, we can see, pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit. No, it's the very first thing that Paul's interested in about knowing when he comes to these believers. So that would show us, hey, this is a massive deal. This is not something that, you know, is for just like the crazy Christians or for, you know, like it's a fringe issue. No, if you want to do what God's called you to do, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirits. You can't do supernatural things with natural power. You need supernatural power to do supernatural things. Is a high priority, number one priority, not a fringe side thing. For Jesus, for the Apostle Paul, they're all about this. You need this. You know, I feel like there's been a theme in our church for the last couple of months. I feel like there's been this theme of God has wonderful things in store for you to do. God has a, a specific call on your life to do specific things that that for individuals, for us as a church, there are there are the Bible tells us that God has prepared in advance great things for us to do. He's prepared those things for us. So there's this, I feel like there's like this word for us, this theme for us in the church. God has things in store for us to do. I'm gonna invite the band to come. But in order to do those things, you need empowerment, right? You need that baptism of the Holy Spirit to equip you and to empower you to do the things God has called you to do. And I believe there's people in this room and you have a hunger to do great things. You, 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 you feel that. When you hear that preached on a Sunday, it stirs something in you. Yes, I, I want to do great things. I do feel like the Lord's calling me to something greater and something bigger. Okay, well, step one, like Jesus says, you need to receive power from heaven. You need all that God has for you. Before you start launching out on your own and doing this thing, first things first, you need the infilling or the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's essential. Jesus was a man fully empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus, Jesus needs it. We need it. We need all that we can have. You know, I heard it described once as like, 
you know, even if, if someone's not filled with the Holy Spirit, they don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's still, there's still plenty of examples of people that have done things for the Lord, but I heard it described as like being stuck in first gear. Right, you, can, you can still do something in first gear. I'm sure if you locked your car in first gear, you could still go down the road some and you probably wouldn't be able to go very fast, right? But once you put that car in overdrive, now you can go a lot faster, a lot quicker and cover way more ground. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is like putting your Christian life in overdrive. You, you, you get to move at a much higher pace and you get to think things that would have taken years you can do in a couple months, amen? So you, you need the, the empowerment of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.